Dude, so Green Day with Fall Out Boy, Weezer. I love Weezer. Yeah, so Weezer was awesome. I mainly went there to see Weezer and Green Day. That's a really cool. Yeah. That's a really cool concert. Like those three. Yeah. So they're on the Hell Omega tour. It started in Arlington, Texas. Yeah. And now they're going all across the country. All three of those bands are I, touring together. I have, I, I have started looking. Yeah, dude. I don't know if you're a big punk rock fan, but you know me. You know There's, I love Weezer. I know you love Weezer. And, and that's, but, okay, let's be fair. Green Day, Fall Out Boy, and Weezer. That was basically high school. Yeah. No, but it was awesome show, man. Like, yeah. I love punk rock so much. Yep, punk. Green Day, please come back. Did you know that over $5 trillion exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over $220 billion an hour. Now, how does this much money move every single day? And why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkonomics, two bartenders who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business are going to sit down and drink to the global economy and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. And welcome back to Drunkenomics, everybody. So glad all you econoholics can join us. This is the drinking podcast, or should I say the drinking presentation, with an economics problem. I have an economics problem. My <laughs> less gracious co-host also has an economics problem. So I'm glad we can all share a drink with our economics problem together. <laughs> with that said, um, I would like to gladly reintroduce myself as the more gracious host this week because the VIX is at 1758 as I see it today. is Monday, July 26th. And because the VIX is under 18, I'm your more gracious host and my name is Aaron Wong. And I have a German bourbon in front of me. Joining alongside me is back in his rightful form. As the less gracious host. So much less gracious. James Goldwater. Welcome back. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> welcome back. Uh, so it glad. feels right. Yeah, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You seem so much happier as a gracious, as a less gracious host. And I don't know. I don't really feel that gracious. But the VIX is what it is. So, you know, it's just. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what else we're we going to do? Pick at random. We have to have a system. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. Little inside joke in case you guys don't know. Uh, whenever the VIX is above 18, James out more gracious as me, if that makes any sense. Uh, you know what I mean. And whenever it's under 18, I happen to be the more gracious host. I don't know how it makes sense. Kind of like economics in general. Why it makes sense, I don't well, it's know. because it I, I think <laughs> I liked being more gracious when the when the VIX was high because with that instability and that, and that kind of everything kind of swinging all over the place, it's like, okay. I can be gracious because I think I know I, I can we can see what's happening. Whereas when it's things don't make sense, but there's no volatility, it's like I don't I don't understand what's happening. I get angry. Well, I think the reason why it makes sense is because you are an accountant and at heart, you're too much of a fundamentals guy, which sorry, I just said the F word into a microphone and you probably heard the I James, wake up. Oh, no. I think I killed him with the F word. But yeah, you're too much of a fundamentals guy uh, because you're an accountant. Uh, yeah, it's, and, it's, uh, it's the way I look at things. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when the fundamentals don't make sense and the value just isn't there and it doesn't match up, you just become less gracious. It's not your fault. That's just who I am. Yeah. But anyways, speaking of fundamental value, um, the Hang Sen yesterday or today or yesterday or today or today. It closed down 4% or something like that. Yeah. Maybe just over 4%. And the markets today were supposed to open up slightly down. And then everybody bought the like 0.5% dip today. So 
the markets actually ended up closing green. Just, just barely up. Bare- a little up, yeah. Yeah, barely up. But I, I honestly think it's just earnings week, man. Everybody's oh, trying yeah. to get ahead of earnings. Everybody's trying to buy in before earnings in case they buy into a stock that pops. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I don't know. That's my guess. I, I'd wager, yeah, you have people buying into into U.S. markets at least because they're seeing – they do know that there's it's going to be earnings week. They do see that these companies are going to mm-hmm. do pretty well. We've also historically seen that th- for the last year, at least, even if the uh, even if earnings aren't as good as we'd hoped, or even if there are losses that most people are willing to sit there and go, it could have been worse. Yeah, the price will go up. So yeah, it's, exactly. I, I, and this week too, it's so what? Applesoft. Uh, Applesoft. That's definitely wow. a violation so the, of the Sherman Antitrust Act. Yeah, that would be bad. That would be really, really <laughs> bad. Right yeah, I can't believe that just happened. But Apple, Microsoft, Google are all coming out with earnings tomorrow. So that's Tuesday, July 27th. You're going to probably hear this on Thursday, the 29th. So uh, by the time you hear it two days before this presentation fell upon your lovely ears. But they're coming out with earnings Tuesday. Amazon's coming out with earnings on Thursday. So, you know, right there, that's like a quarter of the entire S&P 500 or something like that. I forget how much, I mean, they make up a giant portion of the S&P 500. Tesla came out with earnings today. It's fifth or sixth biggest company uh, in terms of market cap in the S&P 500. Yeah. And I see so, they were up. Um, it did. What did they yeah. say? More than a billion in net income? Something? Yeah. So, so well, maybe it should make one wonder because if you're if, if it's still worth the six to 700 times earnings that you paid for it and someone else has to pay a hell of a lot more for it right. than you did to maintain that. It might be a bad day for you if you're already holding because you bought for 600 times earnings and now you're going to sell for maybe 500 times earnings. Well, you're still going to make money. You're still making more money. But if you thought the value was there at 600 times earnings, then you should hold until you get until that. You, until it goes to 700 times earnings like, or something, right? Or until earnings comes up, right? right? In theory, yeah. that would be my argument is that that's kind of- Yeah, and like a billion in net income, does that justify a- like a what, 700, uh, what's the valuation of that company quite, now? 630 billion market yeah, it's, cap? It's, yeah, so, it's not small. Yeah, so I don't know. I, has there been a company before that has 1 billion in net income and has been valued at 630-something billion dollars? I don't know. I don't know. And does that mean the stock is going to go up or down? I don't know. This is not financial advice. We're drinking. So yeah. apparently some investors think it makes sense. Beyond that, I just so, think it's... I guess maybe they're hinting that they may start their own uh, chip fabrication, but I still don't. I still don't see it. Yeah, that's me. And then there's also the speculation of cryptocurrency behind that too. Well, they took an impairment because yeah. what between last week when we recorded and today, Bitcoin went from in yep. the mid 30s down to below 29,000, yep. then back up to over 40,000, and yep. now it's back down at 36,000 as of today. Yep. So, so been a wild ride. Yeah, 30 point swings not a big deal in a week. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> Yes. No, nothing. No, nothing at all. Uh, it's not a big deal at all. And basically, it's back where it started, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I forgot to mention Facebook is coming out with earnings on Wednesday. Just want to throw that in there because, you know, Fang. That'll be Facebook. interesting to see. Yeah. But... Uh, and I don't know. Are they going to talk about some antitrust stuff in their earnings call? I don't know. But whatever. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole this week. Nope. We'll be able to look <laughs> at it next week uh, one way or another. Yeah. Because I think, exactly. I think next week we're going to, you know, and we'll talk about this more coming in. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. You know, it's the 26th. When you guys hear this, it'll be the 29th. Yeah. And then I think Jay yells, our girl said that by next Tuesday, so we'll be, so we'll be recording the night before the government's going to be forced to stop selling bonds. Yeah. Or the treasury is forced to stop issuing treasury bonds because we can't exceed the debt ceiling. Yeah. Talk about a sizable economic event. That's one right there. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we, I know we saw that treasury yields were down this morning uh, quite a bit. 
And that, which, you know, again, yield goes down when people are buying the bonds, right? So people buy the bonds, they're paying more than they were previously. So yield goes down. And boy, if if there was ever a good reason other than just increased demand for something to drive yield down on bonds, it would definitely be the stoppage of the supply of something. Right, exactly. But before we talk about that even more, we'll say that for later on this episode, Mm -hmm. I also want to talk about the reason why crypto has made its way to... Back above 40,000 or whatever it is, or mainly just Bitcoin, I guess. Yeah, that's always been the leader. Yeah. I mean, so I I would say that's, uh, what do you call it, premature? Oh, I have no good reason. Exa- well, yeah. actually, we do have a good reason. The good reason is the, the Amazon thing. They, they posted well, a job opening. That's a so, reason. I don't know if that's a good reason. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that's right. I shouldn't be putting words into your mouth. You said so, yeah, no, a good I reason. Say, I, I, yeah. I, yeah. So, sorry. So. Is it Amazon... <laughs> Is hiring someone who's supposed to understand cryptocurrency? Is that yeah, exactly. So the reason why this, the reason why Bitcoin popped is because well, clearly Amazon's going to accept it. Yeah, because Amazon unofficially said they're going to accept Bitcoin, which they it was unofficial report, right? It was a job opening that they posted yeah. for someone that likes crypto or someone that knows a lot about crypto. I forget what it is, crypto engineering, whatever. I don't know that that role opened up for Amazon. So in case you're one of those people that if you're knows that guy crypto, who knows crypto, go ahead and apply. Go work for Amazon. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I think Anthony Pompliano is going to beat you to it. Probably. <laughs> I don't know if you know it who seems, he is. <laughs> He's like the Bitcoin hedge fund manager or yeah, whatever it is. I, I don't know what, what I, exactly he does. Or maybe the Winklevoss twins will beat you to it. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, I don't know if they want to go work for... Well, we'll find out. Let's just put it that way. We'll find out. And if it's, if it's one of our listeners way. who gets there, tell us everything. Yeah. All it was was a job opening. And even since then, Amazon has denied the report that they're accepting Bitcoin as a... As a Source of payment. They've even they've yeah, come out and denied it four hours since ago. Since when have people? Since when have retail investors cared about what the official line of a company is when they're hiring someone like that? It, no. The yeah. thing is, if I would take them at face value when they say that they're not planning to at any time in the future accept cryptocurrency as the fact, uh-huh. as a truth, because absolutely because they've one the, the the company has officially communicated that they are not, and that's and that's a as if that's not like I mean, do you need any more affirmation? Aside from that, yeah, but I think it's also like you know uh, the fact that there is this job opening and Amazon is going to invest in a role that is going to help discover or kind of like you know open that Pandora's box if you will for Amazon. I think people are trying to just get ahead of that because maybe they're going like you know what five years from now maybe someday at that point they're going to accept cryptocurrency. Yeah, it'll be. I'm I'm curious to see. I think it'll be interesting to see why they will have done this. That's yeah. that's me. Um, I wonder if it's. That they're looking to find a way to transfer from currency to currency without, you know, necessarily going through banks or going through uh, certain no, I hear exchange you. policies. And that, that would probably be what my assumption is, is because it's an international firm that there's something there. Yeah. They're hiring someone to see if it's worthwhile to do that. Or if it's just like, you know, if they hire like, I don't know, an Australian band to do like an Amazon studio session. You know, because they're like, these guys are like the next green day and they can pay them in Bitcoin, which is accepted in Australia, I think. I don't know. Is it accepted in Australia, Tim? I doubt it's, I doubt it's used to, I, I, was, I would say, I, I don't want to speak for Tim, but I'm willing to bet it's not used for everyday purchases. Exactly. Well, <laughs> I, that's just like a really stupid example that I came up with because Amazon is in so many different sectors now that it's just like, yeah, whatever. Oh, yeah. And speaking of those sure. sectors, Netflix, they came out with earnings last week and their stock plummeted yeah, for a while. I think it's kind of unfair. A lot of people have looked in, I guess, the only place that has less nebula, like has more nebulous numbers, and therefore we don't really know what's going on there, is actually the Apple TV, because like we mm-hmm. don't know what they're 
what their viewership is or anything else. Yeah, I mean, last week they were trading at, in like the 530, 540 range. Um, and then now they're trading at around 515. And I think when their earnings report came out, they plummeted after hours. Like it plummeted and it went right back up. But it's one of those things where Netflix changed the game. And now because the game has changed, everybody is playing a new game. And now Netflix is realizing that they're competing with Amazon, Apple TV, like you mentioned, Viacom, Discovery, mm -hmm. Time Warner. You know, they're competing with all these people now that they weren't competing with before. Well, the issue, I mean, and I don't even look at this as like necessarily a major issue. I think the the problem that Netflix has at this point is that Netflix is a pure streaming service yeah. that need, that does not get to draw um, support revenue or subsidy essentially from its other operations. Mm -hmm. So you've got Amazon, which you know, they do everything. They yeah. are huge. So they can subsidize their video mm -hmm. production with their cloud retail. computing, with their retail sector. Or music or whatever Apple, it is. same thing. They can, they can, they can subsidize that entertainment yeah. with the podcast sales and with yeah. their, with music revenues, right? With yeah. iTunes. Um, like with NBC, Peacock, right? Because that's their streaming service or whatever it is or, or yeah. whatever it is. I mean, the parent company is Comcast. Comcast does everything in terms of multimedia, right? So Netflix has to compete with Peacock along with Comcast as a company and the backing and leverage that Comcast yeah, so the company not, has. Yeah, it's not so. like it's not like Netflix is just competing with Amazon Video. It's they're competing with Amazon. They're not competing yeah. with Apple TV. They're competing with Apple. They're not competing with Comcast, as, as Time said, Warner, right? With, with they're Peacock. They're they're competing with Comcast or AT and T, right? So mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that's why their stock kind of went down, but they changed the game. I mean, it's kind of like Spotify. Spotify is also, I mean, they're getting gobbled up too, just because they changed the way music is being listened to, you know? Spotify so, still, it seems, is kind of leading its- They are, uh, but then Apple Music, so, uh, there's also Amazon Music. So now Spotify well, yeah, is also so, competing with Apple and Amazon, which are the two two of the biggest companies in the world. Oh yeah, so. no, it, it is. It, it absolutely is. We've also got, and this would be another, another one- Another thing too is, is Amazon, when they release a movie- you can actually go see in theaters. Yeah. They at least have a different stream of revenues from their movies because Amazon or mm -hmm. because Netflix, all they have is you pay a subscription and you can watch everything. Yeah, it's, it's right? a, you know, it's, it's, it's that you're comparing a specialist with a generalist and it's like, right. well. So I, mean, I just yeah, thought that was pretty interesting to take a look at. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Which is why we see that, I mean, which is why we're seeing that Netflix has said that they're going to go into games. Yeah. Oh yeah. They said that too. So I, you know, I think that's a it's, fun it'll little. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. I, it's just a fun real life observation, a game theory. Like, I don't know if you're a student that, you know, is sitting in an economics class that's learning about game theory, but this is real life games theory. This is pretty much what it looks like. Because there's a few so, other com companies that have claimed to be able to do that. And so we'll yeah. just, like I said, we'll see. But uh, yeah. So with that said, one last thing, as far as like current events goes, there's a big Chinese crackdown on tech and education companies. Oh, yeah. Oof. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah. saw the so the big one that we saw there was, I want to say Tencent. Yeah, Tencent was a big um, one. Didi was another big one. So Didi is like the Uber of, of China, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, yeah, they are. So yeah, Didi's the... It's essentially... It's their, it's their ride-sharing service. So yeah. what we saw is that uh, China's antitrust regulator ordered Tencent to give up its exclusive music licensing rights and then Ooh, slapped yeah. a fine on them. And so that really has damaged their essentially business model. And so with that in place, you saw, we saw 10 cent slide 7.7%, 7.72 by the end of the day. I mean, Alibaba, which had been facing. I mean, you could look at it today, is, but it's like the last week they all got crushed. You know, the. Well, uh, yeah, but think about it this yeah. way. Like this is the same regulator that went after Alibaba a while ago. So Alibaba mm -hmm. was now down 6.4%. Oh yeah. Like I mean. Meituan, I don't, I don't know how it's. 
I tend to yeah. historically, it's just yeah, an e-commerce I mean, platform, but they, they were down. And so I think what people are looking at is they're suddenly seeing, okay, the Chinese regulator is getting involved in every company. It's really, they're really going after everything. And so you have people pulling their money out of the firms that are being targeted or might be targeted because they don't want their money to be, they don't want to lose it on yeah, this, well, on this regulation. Yeah. And as you know, investors hate regulation. They do. And China just so happens to be one of those countries that is very heavily regulated. The private sector, actually, just kidding. They don't have a private sector. So. Well, it's sort of, right? <laughs> but it, you're right. It's a whole. Exactly. That's, it's that's what I mean. And then, it. It's private right up until the moment the government decides it isn't. Such as that's what the, we're seeing the last this last week. So, like, I mean, Alibaba was at one point a 300 and something dollar stock. And if you pull up their profile, what do you see? A big alert that says 52-week low today. Well, so, here's, and here's what hurt their education sector. It's that any educational institution has now been banned from raising money through stock listings. And foreign capital now legally cannot invest yeah. in any educational institutions. That's that's interesting. Why is this happening, though? I mean, like... See, well, I would say it's that there's now kind of a public view that, well, the Chinese government issued some statements in English yeah. to English language press that said that at this point, relations between China and the United States are at detente. It's essentially a Cold War. Things are not going well. Uh-huh. I think, I think the, the word they actually used was stalemate, that it's a stalemate of That's relations. That's what I heard a year ago. They're complaining about high-level talks. So this, is, this is all yesterday in their media. Yeah, I'm sorry, but this is what I heard two years ago. We're at a stalemate. The whole Trump and uh, Xi Jinping. This yeah, is, it's a stalemate. Yeah, the, so this is so we're still at a stalemate. We're still at stalemate. I know that they've there's been talks about that the high level talks really aren't going anywhere. The Chinese have said that the high level talks are misguided. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, in my opinion, there's no way China wins this thing. Well, if you to me, China's kind of they came out of their shell, and so they're spending a lot of money and a lot of capital mm-hmm. investing in economies in Africa and in other parts of the world. They're spending oh, they've a been lot going of crazy. wealth. Crazy, yeah. They've been going crazy investing money in Africa. In emerging markets, yeah. But if you look at how they've been treating their immediate neighbors, it's not been particularly pleasant. They're building, obviously, they're trying to make territorial expansions into the South China Sea, which are illegal according to international law. They yeah. they've threatened uh, the fishing fleets of Vietnam and the Philippines. Yeah. They've threatened the uh, exclusive economic zones and fisheries of Australia and yep. Indonesia. They, so when I watch certain Australian media, it's a very bellicose rhetoric that we're getting from them. So the Australians are sitting here saying, "Look, there's a distinct possibility that there's a war coming," and the question will be, uh-huh. and kind of the comments that that they've been making are there's going to be a war sooner or later. We need to face that as a fact and we need to start preparing Australia for an armed conflict. Yeah. When I think tensions are flaring up, I don't want to cry wolf, but I think tensions are flaring up. They've been flaring up for a very long time. Well, they have. Australia has been treated very, very poorly economically by the Chinese. Well, let's be honest. uh, Like who hasn't been? Well, Australia has been, yeah, you're right. The Philippines and Vietnam have historically had it worse, but they've really ratcheted up on the Australians recently. Yeah, like the last two years, I would say, maybe even like in the last year, it's been very bad. Yeah. Uh, just because the the Australians are willing to call a spade a spade, and they've just gone China, dude. What's going on? You're not doing good things. You can't do this to the Uyghur population. You can't do. Right. We're going to tell you, like, we know what you're doing, and it is in fact, you know, this. It is not fact, cool. It's not all right. Yeah. And the Chinese don't appreciate that. Beijing doesn't appreciate that. Of course. And so they've tried to economically harm Australia. Yeah. To well, an extent, I think they have. Not as badly as they'd hoped. They kind of, I think they hurt themselves more when they cut off the coal yeah. to themselves. That's how it happened with the Chinese in the U.S. too. Is like when they, like, they're like, okay, if you want to play, if you want to have like an economical war, we'll take you on and 
China has been, they got crushed during the trade war. I think, so, you know, I look back at the trade war and it, it wasn't great for us either, but it wasn't bad for us. Well, our, our problem was that at the same time we were getting ourselves involved in a trade war with China, the administration was also getting us involved in a trade war with our friends. And so it's one of those things where it's like, right. dude, it's like, what's like, going on here? Like the, the Chinese side, you, I didn't hate it, right? I didn't love it. I didn't hate it either. But the European side, know. some of the other things, I thought it was foolish. It, it seemed, I agree. It, it seems unnecessary. Yep. I wish there'd been more planning and forethought into what the Pacific trade war would have looked like. I w- in truth, I wish that we'd just gone into the Trans-Pacific Partnership and gotten right. all of the Pacific on side into a single economic trade zone. Yeah, I know, that's, I know the, that's how you feel about it. Well, the entire <laughs> premise with that is, you know, yeah, it hurts. It hurts in some, cate- in some sectors yeah. they are going to get hurt in the U.S. Some sectors right. overseas are going to get hurt. Yeah. But it also creates a single trade block that essentially is fencing China. It's about fencing China in economically, about having everyone around them on the same side and doing yeah. business with each other in a beneficial way so that they don't have to do business with China on their terms. Right. I agree. And because of what you just said, I feel like Taiwan is in danger personally uh-huh. because of all the semiconductors that they produce. Yeah. They view they view Taiwan as a renegade province. See? So that's that's why I think Taiwan is in danger. I, oh, I absolutely agree with you. And I think we'll see. So we have Taiwan Semiconductor building a chip foundry in Arizona. Arizona. And Intel also building a chip foundry in Arizona. Now we know Intel is going to build the next, a next gen, like a, mo- a completely modern uh, semiconductor yep. manufacturer, completely modern foundry there. Yeah. And, and Beijing has put extreme pressure mm-hmm. on, on Taiwan uh, and on Taiwan Semiconductor that they need to build yeah. an old gen, a last gen yeah. semiconductor foundry, not a modern foundry. And yeah. I think that I think that might be one of the issues. I think if I'm Taiwan, you have to look at this and you say, well, a major consumer of my semiconductors is the United States and a major conductor, uh, consumer within the United States of semiconductors is in fact the military industrial complex. So missiles, yeah. vehicles, aircraft, the things that would be yeah. needed in the event of a shooting war. And those things aren't using last gen chips. They're using current gen chips in many yeah. cases. And so, you know, you see the Chinese not wanting them to to build that manufacturing capability here because China looks of course at, not. Yeah. at Taiwan being essentially we can maybe interdict and shut off that flow to the U.S. in the event of conflict. But if you're Taiwan, mm-hmm. you also know to an absolute certainty you're too close to China to actually prevent them from being able to fully invade if they want to. Now, they'll yep. break everything when they do it. It'll destroy their economy because they'll be in the suddenly everyone's no longer doing business with all them. The, yeah, all hands on deck. Yeah, right, it would so. be very similar well, to what Brock did with Kuwait in the 90s. Right. So it's one of those things where the international community would condemn it, but you also need to have people who could shoot. And so Taiwan yeah. probably builds a next-gen foundry because they go, in the event of conflict, this is a critical part of my national defense, even though it's in yeah. a different country. And on the bright side, you know, because I like, you know, like I said, I don't want to cry wolf yet, but, you know, on the bright side, Japan is on our side, South Korea is on our side. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a lot of military resources, as in the US does, in those countries, which are very close to Taiwan and China. So yeah. they, they have support there. And, you know, and I bring this up because my ancestry goes back to Taiwan. Uh, my mom was born and raised in Taiwan, in case you guys didn't know. So, uh, and it's, I've been there several times. It's a beautiful country. So, and not to mention the CEO of both AMD and NVIDIA, guess where they're from? Taiwan. So talk about an awesome country. Taiwan's pretty freaking cool. I was going to say, you definitely, I think we know, I think we know where, where Taiwan decided to focus semiconductors we'll do chips and we'll do them well exactly and um, that's all the more reason why china yeah. wants to have taiwan <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's a yeah. it's a pretty key choke point in global Literally. supply 
literally a choke point. So air coming in, air coming out. But yeah, with that said, I'm done talking about China. Yes. Yeah. They've frustrated me enough in the last two years. So <laughs> back to the subject matter at hand, which is um, what were we talking about last week that and the great, week before? That great septic, um, that great septic tank that is death, the debt ceiling. Debt. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I thought it was death and taxes. Well, it might be if it goes wrong. Well, the two certainties <laughs> in life are debt and taxes. Um, yeah, there's there's a few people that have been written about in some of the religious texts who did not, in fact, die. <laughs> so there you go. So, right. You just proved my point uh, if you put a lot of merit in religious texts, which I personally do, but besides the point. Anyways, uh, Todd KKP, man, thanks for bringing up the the analogy. Once oh, yeah, again. no, it was fantastic, Todd. I love it. And yes, you have to take another shot for that. Uh, but yeah. We talked a lot in episodes past about the U.S. debt ceiling, um, so much so that one of our Discord members, what do you call them? Uh, I call them Econoholics, and they are legendary. Okay, Discord Econoholics, the people that are in our Discord channel. One of them said, you silly Americans and your ceiling. Oh, it's our man, Sintetiskbjörns, who we just, we still don't know. He won't help us on his pronunciation. He just laughs every time because it's bad. Yeah, dude, can you do like a syllable by syllable <laughs> pronunciation of your name in the Discord channel? Um, but yeah, he made fun of us about, he made fun of us for talking about the debt ceiling over and over and over well, again. He also made fun of us for having a debt ceiling. Yeah. Which, what, I don't know which one it was. Was it having a debt ceiling or is it because Both. you and I talk about, okay, well, I guess fair enough. I'm not going to argue with you on that one or on either of those. So thanks for chiming in. Always love hearing from you regardless. Um, yeah, that debt ceiling, that silly debt ceiling that you mentioned in Bjorn. Yeah. It's coming due. This Saturday. Yep, this Saturday, this the Saturday, the suspension's over. On the 31st. And then as of Tuesday, Janet yep. Yellen said that by Tuesday, August 2nd, she says that Congress must vote to suspend or raise. They have to address the issue. They have to deal with it. Because if they do not, she would have to begin on the 2nd of August, so that Tuesday, extro- yep. or taking extraordinary measures to, to continue to pay the debt that's already been accrued, right? So that would require yeah. her to stop paying interest to certain people, to stop paying interest on certain things. The current time, hopefully we can just pay it back later in a bigger chunk. Well, big, the big one is they have to stop issuing treasury bills. You can no longer issue any government yeah, bonds. Exactly. There are no, so bo- that's no a more huge bonds one. be issued. Uh, basically, what that means is what they have been doing before is that they would borrow money to pay off old money that is coming due. That's not like 100% of what they would do, but that's, you know, when you pay off a loan, you can pay off as much as you can right now with the cash that you have right now, and then you can borrow more money to preserve your credit score and to preserve your debt reputation or whatever you call that. Debt reputation is the big one here. Yeah. So you can borrow more money and then pay off old money that is coming due. Um, But like we mentioned before, debt ceiling coming due this Saturday. So the debt ceiling suspension is being lifted on July 31st, 2021. Now. Like I said, I think what they have to do personally is that they have to extend the suspension and then figure their stuff out from the date that they extend the suspension to. Yeah, I, I agree. The to me, the best possible solution is to is to extend the suspension, probably for another two years. Yeah. The, the problem being is that it's currently Monday. It hasn't come up yet. It's due Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> and if they don't do anything about it, it, it economically, it would be disastrous for the world. The fact that the yeah. uh, U.S. debt is the safe the investment safest bet in is the world. Yeah. That underpins the global financial markets. That, that's the it world. Really, it literally does. I mean, so the U.S. debt, and this is the main topic. Ding, ding, ding. This is the main topic is U.S. debt and who owns it, where is it going, 
Well, I don't know where the looming questions are around the U.S. debt. Well, we've but. been asked, because like, so it's funny is that we've been asked historically, like, what would happen? Why don't two countries just trade debt they owe each other to cancel just, it? Or why yeah. don't, or what would happen if, like, one government were to dump another yeah, so government's what, debt? James. And then so it boils down to this. So the first thing is you have to figure out where the government debt is. And there's intragovernmental debt in the U.S. or what's non-public debt, which is 22% mm-hmm. of that 28, 28 trillion. Yeah. And that's held within the government's so government agency. Social Security. Uh, Social Security is a big a one. Lot of, I mean, that's a, about... a lot of uh, the private trusts within the government, right? So they right. have money. They need to pay for things, but they have more money than they need. They have more money currently than they need to pay. So what do they do? They buy government, government bonds. bonds and debt instruments so, yeah. to essentially earn themselves interest because that's that's the way they do it. So that's 22% of US of the US's debt. And then the other 78% or public debt is held publicly or outside the government. Yeah. So whether that's Investment companies. Well, it's, it's I know thirty three percent of it is held by foreign governments. The number yeah. one holder being Japan, number two being China. Japan has about one point of the foreign governments. Those are the number one and number two, right? Those so are number about, one and two, right? But yeah, but like Social Security, private banks, private banks own more than all of Japan. State and China. local governments is a huge yeah. one. Pension yeah. funds, all um, of those. Yeah, so all of those all combined own way more U.S. debt than foreign companies do. Than foreign so, countries do, absolutely. So Federal Reserve mm-hmm. and the government hold about ten point six trillion in the mm-hmm. public debt. So no, 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 no. The, the, the Fed itself owns eight is eight trillion. trillion. Yeah, and why, then other governmental it's probably agencies. nine trillion now with the balance sheet it being as big as it is. Almost certainly is. Yeah, right. So, uh, but then the I other. Mean, I think we can say mutual funds own more than Japan and China combined. So Japan has one point three trillion roughly, and China yeah. one point one trillion. Yeah. In case you're wondering what are what are mutual funds, the basic definition, the basic. I guess umbrella that they fit under are investment companies. So mutual funds, yeah. you know, they're like the sister of hedge funds. Yeah. Then right? we have so. um, we have uh, state and local governments that have about one point one trillion as well. So when a state needs to pay for something or needs to make money and has extra cash, they buy government bonds or they invest into them because they know that they can get six months worth of interest, pay off whatever they had to pay, get to keep that little some bit sort of interest. Some sort of return, right? Yeah. They get some sort of return on money that they have to have current to pay a current debt or mm-hmm. to deal with something. We have private pension funds, which have $819 billion, so yep. shy of a trillion dollars, but they, they're holding $800 billion. Well, let's, let's talk about private pensions. What are they? Yeah. Uh, teacher pension funds, police, firefighters, would be, would those be public, stuff like those that. Those public pension funds because they're public employees technically. Okay. But private but, pension funds would be the railroads historically have had private pension funds. Truck drivers. Truck drivers, yeah. The a private, of, private companies that pay pensions. Yeah, so they have a pension Think of it like a. I guess pensions are kind of like an annuity. It's a privately funded retirement. It's, it's right. So a, it's kind of, but it's not like an IRA. It's like a. It's more like an annuity. No, it's a. Oh. It's a. It's a guarantee. So in the U.S., we have two types of retirements. You have defined benefit and defined and defined payment. Yeah. Or defined contribution. We're moving towards defined contribution because that's a lot easier for the company. They don't have to guarantee you your money right. to, and do anything to make sure that that happens. Instead, they'll contribute. So they say, hey, we'll match whatever you put into retirement. And then it's on you once you retire, whether or not you have enough to tell you die. Yeah, so that's kind of like a whereas, 401k. Exactly. A 401k is like a glorified IRA. Yeah, whereas a right, defined it's... benefit is we're going to pay you 60% of your of the, of the average salary you made in your last five years working at this company until the day yeah. you die. And maybe your spouse 
who lives after you. Yeah. So essentially, if you make $10,000 a month, what they're going to do in a defined benefit plan is when you retire, it, you know, if it's 60, if it's a 60% thing, now you make $6,000 a month, you're guaranteed that for the rest of your life until you die. Yeah. Depending on the terms of the plan, it could extend on to your spouse or something along those lines. Absolutely. It's like an annuity. Mm-hmm. That's what annuities is. do, right? It's an annuity yeah. that's being funded and paid by your previous, by your employer, by your previous employer. And there's a lot of stress on that on that company that then has to fund its pension fund, right? So yeah. that's why a lot of companies want it off their books. They don't want to have to deal with it. They don't want to have to make up a shortfall if the market doesn't deliver. Right, exactly. And think of like these investment instruments, right? Annuities, defined benefit plans. What do they do when they receive a pool of cash from all the employees in the company? Because they contribute some of their paycheck to this pool of cash mm-hmm. and then they have someone go manage it and put it into a private pension fund. Well, those pension funds, part of the makeup of their portfolio is what? Government bonds, obviously. They need Always. a risk-free, they need a risk-free asset in there somewhere. So that's how they come to owning government bonds and owning government debt. So almost a trillion dollars, about um eight hundred twenty billion dollars of the current government debt, or I guess this this might have been like data from a month ago or two months ago. Yes, yeah, so that's seventy eight twenty two percent I know is from April on the right. twenty eight point one trillion. Yeah. yeah, like I guess I mean I could sit here and say like Social Security Trust holds two point nine trillion. Um, from this is February twenty twenty. Yeah, well, Social Security, like, talk about a program that, like, I don't know, I yeah, don't the, know if it needs to be there, but I think government programs should not be as profitable as Social Security. Personally, in my opinion, yeah, I know. Me. I mean, I, I could say but, that the military retirement fund holds a trillion in in debt security, but they should. So, I mean, they should. Well, yeah, I mean, it makes everybody, sense. Like, it, it, like, it's not like it's oh my god, what a sin, right? Like, Social Security, obviously, like they make so much more money than it actually costs for that program to be operated. So, yeah. because of that, they have all this extra money and they buy more government debt. The gov- so the government borrows from itself in that sense because. How do they make money for well, Social Security? Because a lot of time, what happens is they're not they're not allowed to invest in other things. Like, so they're allowed to invest in these very secure things, yeah. or maybe against. But you'd have a lot of these government programs that wouldn't be allowed to legally own securities because it would be an issue. Yeah, because like, where does Social Security get its money from? Taxpayers. It would serve as a conflict of interest if all of a sudden they take that extra pool of money and they buy Apple stock with it. You know yeah. what I mean? So. A, so that's so that's that's kind of a, a rundown of who owns the debt. So statistically speaking, you do. If you're a U.S. citizen, you own this debt. Yeah. Somehow. Whether it's you pay taxes, you uh, have a retirement plan, you have whatever yeah. it is. So this question of like, know. oh, Japan owns 1.3 trillion of U.S. debt and China owns 1.1 trillion mm-hmm. approximately. Everyone thinks, oh, does that mean that the Chinese government, the Japanese government is buying U.S. debt? No. I mean, yeah, are they in to they some extent? They are at yes. some point. Yeah. They, they as a government are doing it because governments buy each other's debt as, a, as a measure yeah. of, as we talked about, stabilizing exchange rates. Yeah. So well, it's that's, portfolio, that's one it's way to balancing do it. portfolios as well. Yeah. Now, the vast majority of these debt of this debt, though, is owned by the same people in the other country that own it here. So state, local governments, mutual funds, private pensions that just happen to be located within that country. So mm-hmm. mutual funds and private pension funds in Japan would own more of the U.S. debt than probably the Japanese government does. Most likely. But that's because yeah. they're investing. They need something with a safe rate to offset the portfolio risk elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So to answer the question of like, why don't people just exchange the debt? Why don't the two countries just exchange the debt? Well, it's because the two countries don't own. It's not like they, yes. it's not like the two countries own it and they're just single so, blocks talking to each other and they can go, I'll cancel that billion. If you cancel this billion, okay. It's that there are business entities within the country 
that own the debt with the expectation that they will be receiving that payment as well as the interest on it at the end of the day. Right. Yeah, exactly. So like so-and-so financial institution of Japan, like that bank, let's just say they bought a billion dollars worth of government bonds because that's a, that's a hedge against the rest of the portfolio or something like that. It's like, well, boom, there you go. Now that's 0.01 of that 1.3 trillion that they own yeah, so government debt. Right there. So that's that's that one question, right? So that's why you don't just see countries trading and canceling the debt because to then lower their national debt is because they want the money, they need the money, and it is also isn't theirs to cancel. It's someone else's. Well, it's other countries. Yeah, it's like the Japan citizens can... of my country own this, not the country itself. Yeah, right? exactly. So, so it's not like Japan can go in there and be like, maybe they could. I don't know. Maybe because they can pull China and be like, hey, you know what? We don't want any U.S. debt assets. So um, call this debt right now. So the other you issue know? is uh, why don't they mil- why isn't debt militarized in a way? Just to say, what would happen if China were to dump the debt? It, I mean, it would be disastrous for the U.S. It, it would be any any time you're if if your debt suddenly went on that was flooding the market. Actually, right now, that might be a good thing with the U.S. Treasury not able to issue more debt. You might suddenly see that uh, all this debt coming on market might make yields go back up at the same time as people are looking for the debt to buy the debt in the U.S. Uh, well, I'm just saying the like secondary it, market. So if you timed it wrong, it might work out. But um, yeah, well, also, like if you just if the U.S. government just stopped issuing debt, like so now all of a sudden U.S. government debt trades on the secondary market. Correct. So, <laughs> it only trades on the secondary market. Only, yeah, exactly. The only way you can buy U.S. government debt is if you bought it for someone else that owned it previously. Yeah, for well, someone now- who historically <laughs> purchased government debt. So now all of a sudden it makes it a lot more valuable. So now you can sell it at a premium, technically, yeah, theoretically. It, right? It's so a, you'll see rates yeah. get crushed. The but- funny thing would be, though, is if you saw China do that, and like I said, like would it be damaging to the U.S. economy? Yes. Absolutely. Would that therefore should be damaging to the global economy? Yes. But here's the next issue. What is China going to do with a loss of $1.1 trillion? Yeah, I mean, that's like what? And don't they expect the response to be reciprocal, which is to say, oh, you broke our economy, which seems like a mistake because we're your largest buyer, but now Mm -hmm. we're going to dump your market bonds on the market. Yeah. So if you weaponize it, it's just detrimental for both parties. Yeah, you might might get one shot off and be like, okay, but then all the cascading effects coming back to you are negative. Yeah. You don't win. It's like you're sitting on a, a three-legged stool and you cut off one of the legs. You're going to fall. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't look like many other countries out, outside of China own Chinese debt. So the comparison then would be China's issue is that all their debt is own, is not public. It is private debt. It's owned by the provinces or they have extreme provincial debt as well. Yeah. I think their national debt is kind of held to be seven, about seven trillion, of which- as of 2020 was outstanding foreign debt. So owed overseas. Yeah. But I'm also trying to think of it this way too, is like, so China technically owns like what, almost 3% of American debt, but our debt to their GDP. So China's overall debt, including provincial debt currently. So at the end of 2020, I'm I'm seeing here that it was about 270% of GDP which mm-hmm. is at 35% from where yeah. it was before 2020. So so China's debt to GDP ratio is 70%? Is, no, it's right? 270%. Oh, wow. Okay, wow. Okay. Yeah. But on top of that, so their GDP is what? 14 trillion? Around 14 trillion? And this is 2019 numbers, which I'm assuming now it's probably closer to 16 trillion. Yeah, pro- probably. Maybe. I could be way off. It could be like 15, maybe only 15 trillion. Let's just say 15 trillion for simplicity's sake. So their debt to GDP ratio is 15 trillion. And if you all of a sudden they decide to dump 1 trillion of that 
into the just onto the markets. I mean, that's going to be extremely detrimental for themselves too. Well, yeah. Well, there. So the issue is that all the almost all of their debt is owned by state-owned institutions. Well, yeah, their own personal debt, right? But yeah. the American debt that they own, which is owned by mostly private institutions in Entity, China, by, by the private technically entities, private, yes. right? So, so the issue is yeah. those private entities. Are the same entities in many cases that hold their own debt? Yeah, right? so... And so the issue is if suddenly they stop receiving the interest payments from the U.S. and they move that off their books, yeah. and all they get to keep is their own risky debt, it Very doesn't risky. help their books. Yeah. Like, their their books get worse. Yeah, exactly. The payment's so, less likely. Yeah, and so if they dump, you know, what, so, uh, what's uh, 1 trillion out of their 15 trillion GDP, that's 6% of their entire GDP, right? So if they dumped 6% of their GDP technically into the secondary market. Well, the thing is they're going to they're going to make it at a they're going to get paid at a loss because they're going to see the the dumping. People are going to see the dump. Right. So they're they're going to buy at a discount. Yeah. It wouldn't be but, a good choice. I'm just saying if, it, if anyone asking why why don't countries dump the other country's debt? Well, it's a really bad idea to wreck the economy of your biggest buyer. Well, like if you had a bond like, portfolio and you just and let's say you had a giant bond. Let's say you had a 1 trillion dollar bond portfolio which I mean, if you ever do, give me a call, but <laughs> don't forget about me. But let's just say you had a $1 trillion bond portfolio and and you want to dump 6% of that and all of the same exact thing, right? Or the same characteristic laddered out, essentially, mm-hmm. that single bond that you're dumping, it's going gonna, it's gonna to wreck that bond. And that's yeah. essentially what they would be doing, right? So yeah. if, they, if you're running a $1 trillion bond portfolio and you just had to just dump that that six percent holding onto the secondary market like you're not going to get your money back for it. you're going to get pennies on the dollar back more yeah, than likely which, granted it's not going to fluctuate as much because it's you know it is a bond but and it is a very secure bond but but in the grand scheme of things i mean that's going to be a big loss again, so it'd essentially be the chinese government asking a lot of the businesses that are using this to secure their own portfolios and to mm-hmm. earn and who are earning money off of the interest that they're receiving from yeah. this it's then asking them to dump those onto the market for a loss and to damage their portfolios yeah. and to and to forego future t- it's everything that that is against the interests of the bondholder right and it does worry me that we're not it, like there's a chance we might not issue new bonds because in that case they could be more inclined to do so even then it will still very much be against their best interest, very much. But if there's a window of opportunity, that would be it. Well, I so. know that what we've, we're at a point now where they've said that as of Monday, the Treasury will stop issuing new bonds unless there is, unless the Congress acts and raises or continues the suspension of the debt ceiling. Because yeah. they will legally not be able to issue bonds after that date. Once we hit the ceiling, that's, yeah. that's what it is. Well, so either way, what it comes down to is we're caught between a rock and a hard place. And the only way to get out of this rock and a hard place is to like move it further away or move it further down the path in which, you know, it'll get us out of the rock and the hard place now, but we'll kind of fall back into it at another date sometime from now. Well, and granted, I mean, the real, the real <laughs> so. ideally, ideally we do what the, the rest of our Econoholics Online said, and it's just, well, we should probably also do something about paying about dealing with it, actually dealing with the debt. Well, because I said ideally, I didn't say yeah. I didn't say I think it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I was just going to further your point even more because I don't think kicking the can down the road is a good idea. But at the same well, time, not right now. Well, given what had given what had happened last year, that's that's the best choice we got. I agree. So, I think we, I think we have to we have to suspend it currently, get the economy back on track, and then we have to actually address the economy as a whole. Right. I mean, like it's one of those things where like. 
you know, the Republicans, which I feel like they're they're coming from a point in which it's like, you know what, we we can't keep spending as much money as we've been spending. But at the same time, it's like, dude, we had a Republican for four years. Yeah, it's like you, you, you guys um, did not seem to care yeah. for the last four years. I, and I'm not trying to point the fingers at the Republicans because I don't think the Democrats. I mean, I will, but... Okay, I, I, I totally hear you. What I'm trying to say is there's no innocent party, but you, you know the Republicans. I think they were just kind of late to the party, and they're like, to be fair, I'll tell. Well, I'll tell. Uh, to be fair, I think the Dem- uh, the Democrats were a little late to this party too, and they went, <laughs> we should probably do something about it. Yeah, it's so like think, everyone forgot the final project was due Friday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. I think everybody was late to the party and then all of a sudden they're just like, well, we got to take care of this problem. And then the Republicans are now all of a sudden going like, well, the problem isn't that there is a debt sentence suspension and it's ending this Saturday. The problem is we spend too much money. And it's like, well, okay, well, uh, you know, are we going to reduce our deficit by $5 trillion from now until Friday or Saturday? No. So let's just worry about that first and then we'll worry about our spending problem. Can we fix it so that we don't cross that line by then? No, we cannot. So we should probably move the line. Yeah. So if we, I mean, if we could, let's do it. Like, let's, let's talk about it. But that's not really actionable at this point. That's just kind of off the table. You you waited too long, guys. So yeah, with that said, hopefully now you know who exactly owns the $28 trillion of US debt. It's not all China. So if you guys think China's going to weaponize it, Cool your jets, pour yourself a nice dram of uh, something Victor's like. bourbon. How is that American whiskey, by the way? I love it. Well, we both know that it's it's fantastic. I uh, compared to the bourbon, they ha- they do have a very similar mouth taste initially. At the end, the bourbon has a very sweet that brown sugar sweetness. American whiskey, a little bit less of the sweetness, so it's a little bit better for me. Do you know what I found out about the American whiskey that'll blow your mind? What? The reason why it's not a bourbon and it's called an American whiskey is because they aged it in used barrels. I don't know what it was used for previously. Used barrels as opposed to freshly charred? Yeah, yeah. because in order to be a bourbon, it has to be brand new, freshly charred Fresh barrels. barrels. every time, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's awesome because, you know, a lot of that flavor from whatever it was, from whatever that barrel was being used to age before is still preserved in the actual wood, so it gets absorbed into the actual American whiskey. So it's got the same mashable as a bourbon, but it's yeah. an American whiskey because you can't legally call it a bourbon. Yeah, it's just a different finish. Yeah, dude. So, Perfect. And I and it's delicious. Yeah. Anybody that knows anything about whiskey knows that Michter's is amazing and everything that they make is awesome. So anyways, time to wrap up. I guess. Um, so you guys, thanks for listening. Hopefully now you know how much of the U.S. debt you personally own or are immediately yeah. exposed to. But also not to worry because uh, no one can weaponize that against you. Uh, and with that said, if you have any input on that, um, if you're scared for your life, because of this podcast episode, because me and James are both crying wolf, or because the VIX is now all of a sudden above 18 by the time you're hearing this. It might be, it might not be, but if it is, um, feel free to drop your comments in Discord. You can find the Discord link in our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook page. It's at Drunkonomical, D-R-U-N-K-N-O-M-I-C-A-L. Nailed it. Thank you. That being said, we also it. have merch, shop.spreadshirt.com slash Drunkonomics. Uh, you too can wear your Drunkonomics on your sleeve. Although I don't actually think we have anything with it written on the sleeve, but we do have some pretty sweet stuff. You some stitching. You can stitch a logo on your sleeve. Yeah, we can see what we can do. We can see what we can do for you. Yeah. Then there's also the Patreon. So if you want to help us keep the lights on, the liquor cabinet stocked, you can find us there at patreon.com slash drunkonomics, D-R-U-N-K-O-N-I-M. I am always C-S and I just quit. Yeah, well, it's M-I-C-S. You said I am, but whatever. Close enough. That was a good effort. I got to give you some props for that, man. So cheers to that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, with that said, 
We're gonna try and launch a YouTube channel here pretty soon. We're gonna try our best. Uh, no yeah, timeline on it. We do have like a channel set up, so if you really want to get ahead of everyone, yeah, subscribe to it. one video just to prove yeah. a certain kind of point. But yeah. I promise uh, we're so gonna get there. We'll have a. We'll have something going, and we also have TikTok. And if you really feel inclined, feel free to follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, with that said, I am all out of breath and all out of booze, so it's time to turn this microphone off. The only thing I have to say is, uh, please, I hope you chest not checkered. Hope you also. Uh, Hopefully, you joined us to fill and kill. Yes, that's the Hopefully one. Hopefully, you have stayed. And we'll continue to be economical, my friends. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. A Huda Media Production.